The last time we studied together in Colossians, Paul reminded us of the things we have to put off when we are raised up with Christ, and that we are to then put on the new self, which reflects the image of Christ. We compared the putting on of the new self to the putting on of clothes, and we can continue with that imagery in our text for today. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. If you lose a lot of weight, what's the first thing you do? You go shopping. You don't want the new you to be stuck wearing clothes that no longer fit. Likewise, we certainly don't want to wear garments that are inappropriate for the new person we become in Christ. Paul, therefore, tells us to put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and to make sure we cover everything with love. Such are the garments of a Christian, those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved. And if we are in Christ, we have been chosen. We're the elect of God. Now, that does not suggest that God arbitrarily chooses to save some and condemns others. Being God, he does have the right to do so, but he doesn't. Peter made it very clear that it's not God's will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. So God's choosing me doesn't mean he may not have chosen you. I believe it simply means that God knows who will come back into fellowship with him before we do. That he therefore chooses us before we actually choose him. So knowing that we've been chosen by God doesn't make us arrogant or prideful. It doesn't make us think we're more loved than anyone else or holier than thou, but it does make us grateful. And we therefore do want to clothe ourselves with garments that please him. And while it's not our desire to appear holier than thou, we are holy. We have been set apart for his service, and we do want to dress appropriately for service to the king. And since we are beloved, we do want others to be aware of the fact that we have a loving God. So we dress in garments that make it obvious that we are loved. And the first garment Paul tells us to put on is a heart of compassion. A more accurate translation would be bowels of compassion or entrails of mercy. It refers to the soft parts that ancient Greeks thought were the center of our emotions. In some ways, they were more accurate than we are. Intense feelings of pity, compassion, homesickness, and sentimental yearnings are felt in the pit of our stomach, not the heart. Still, we'd rather call it a heart of compassion than the bowels of mercy. But whatever we call it, the first garment is tailor-made for the center of our emotions, and it's the feeling of compassion. Now, compassion goes beyond pity. You can feel pity, feel sorry for someone without doing anything. Compassion speaks of tender, affectionate feelings that move us to acts of mercy. It's what motivated the Good Samaritan and the father of the prodigal. 
No doubt the priest and the Levite felt sorry for the man who had been beaten by robbers and left half dead. But the Samaritan felt compassion for him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, put him in his new SUV, took him to urgent care, and left his visa to cover the bill. And the father of the prodigal didn't calculate what his son had blown or quiz him about his sin when he saw him coming. He ran to him, embraced him, kissed him, and clothed him with a robe of compassion. That's the garment Christians should wear. The garment our Heavenly Father offered to us, expects us to wear, and with which we are to clothe others. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Compassion. That's the first garment. The second is kindness. Compassion motivates us to do good, and kindness speaks of the way we are to do good. You can do good and do it harshly, without joy, but kindness sweetens it. The word was used of wine that had mellowed, lost its harshness, its bite. Kindness is a very important garment to put on because compassionate acts are of limited value without loving kindness. And even though the spell checker doesn't like it as a single word, loving kindness is a good word. Maybe even better than kindness. Mother Teresa recognized the importance of loving kindness, and it was key to her success. An interview with the British journalist Malcolm Muggeridge made this very clear. Spending a few days with you, I have been immensely struck by the joyfulness of these sisters who do what an outsider might think to be almost impossibly difficult and painful tasks. That's the spirit of our society, that total surrender, loving trust, and cheerfulness. We must be able to radiate the joy of Christ, express it in our actions. If our actions are just useful actions that give no joy to the people, our poor people would never be able to rise up to the call which we want them to hear, the call to come closer to God. We want to make them feel that they are loved. If we went to them with a sad face, we would only make them much more depressed. Even though you took them things they needed, it's not very often things they need. What they need much more is what we offer them. In these 20 years of work amongst the people, I have come more and more to realize that it's being unwanted that is the worst disease that any human being can ever experience. Nowadays, we have found medicine for leprosy, and lepers can be cured. There's medicine for TB, and consumptives can be cured. For all kinds of diseases, there are medicines and cures. But for being unwanted, except there are willing hands to serve and there's a loving heart to love, I don't think this terrible disease can ever be cured. Loving kindness ministers with a gracious spirit, a sweetness of disposition, and openly communicates love. It goes the extra mile to make sure the recipient of compassion knows you care about them, that you're not just into doing good. Some years after King Saul and his sons had been killed by the, the Philistines and overzealous supporters of David, 
David sought a way to show kindness to the house of Saul. He discovered that Jonathan had had a son, Mephibosheth. He was five years old when his father had been killed and when he had been dropped by his nurse as they were fleeing for their lives. The resulting injury left him lame in both feet. By the time David learned of him, he was a young man with a son of his own. And he had remained in hiding, thinking he would be a political threat to King David. When David discovered his existence, he not only assured him of his safety and restored to him his father's property, he showed kindness to Mephibosheth by having him eat at his table regularly as one of the king's sons. He wanted Mephibosheth to know he was important to him, and he did so by making him an honored guest at his table. He didn't just make sure he had food. He made sure his provision said, I love you, and you are important to me. Many years ago, I was visiting in a home when I was invited to stay for lunch. I was led to a dusty table on which the host tossed some pieces of bread and a package of bologna and was essentially told, eat. My physical needs were met, but I can still remember how eating that bologna sandwich made me feel. It's that extra measure of kindness that makes us thankful and appreciative. It's what motivated the psalmist to write Psalm 136. It begins, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. He then goes on for 25 verses, giving examples of that loving kindness, and repeats 25 times, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The NIV translates it, his love endures forever. It's those acts of kindness that make us want to know, that make us know that we are loved. A Christian should wear that garment daily. And it's a beautiful garment that is best worn with humility. The next garment that Paul mentions. In chapter 2, Paul warned us about false humility, the kind someone might delight in, even brag about. But he doesn't want to leave us with the impression that all humility is to be avoided, that humility is a mark of self-made religion, that Christians should be arrogant. Not at all. Genuine humility is a beautiful garment and is a necessary item in our wardrobe. The word means lowliness of mind, but it doesn't mean self-abasement, that you have a low self-image. It simply means you have a proper perspective on who you are, where you came from, and how you've gotten where you are. The word humus, earthy, comes from the same root. A humble person realizes he's not, that he's only dust of the ground without the breath of God. He understands that all he is is the result of the grace of God, gifts he doesn't deserve. And that enables him to keep the lid on ego and regard others as more important than himself. Something Paul challenged us to do in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. He then went on to remind us that even our Lord had this kind of humility. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, 
taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Without humility, Jesus could never have become our Savior. And it's humility that enables us to gird on a towel and wash feet. Humility is a beautiful garment because it was first worn by our Lord. The next garment is gentleness. Another word for gentleness is meekness, but that's not a good word today. We think of meekness as weakness, a wimp. That's not how the Greeks use the word. They use it to describe a soothing wind, a healing medicine, or a horse that had been broken. The idea was one of power that's under control. The wind had the power to destroy. The medicine was able to kill. The horse was stronger than a man. But they were under control, meek, gentle. According to Aristotle, it is the happy mean between too much and too little anger. A gentle person knows how to channel the emotional energy from anger in constructive ways and draw upon it when needed. A mother bear can be very gentle with her cubs, but threaten her and you'll discover the full impact of meekness. A good watchdog should be gentle around those he's watching, not a snarling and growling creature that always has its teeth bared. When it needs to show its teeth, it should. But around the family, it should be a loving pet and companion. Several of us went to a sheepdog seminar in Peoria last Monday. There we were reminded of the need to protect the sheep in our flock and challenged to do whatever is needed to keep you safe. We were taught by men with military and law enforcement backgrounds, but were warned about becoming too macho. A sheepdog is gentle around the sheep, but is always on the lookout for wolves and ready to do whatever is needed to protect the flock. You'll no doubt be hearing about additional safeguards to be implemented after your shepherds and sheepdogs give prayerful consideration to what was learned at the seminar. Sheep, shepherds, and sheepdogs alike should display a gentle and quiet spirit that is precious in the sight of God and everyone else. The next garment is patience. There are two words for patience in the New Testament. One means to abide under, to endure, and speaks of endurance in the face of trying circumstances. The other means to bear with, to be long-tempered, and the focus is patience with people. That's the word that's used here. A Christian must be long-tempered. Now, that doesn't mean we have a temper that lasts and lasts. It means we have a long fuse, that it takes a lot to provoke us. Long-suffering is a good translation of the word. We can put up with a lot, and Paul tells us why. We can be forbearing and forgiving because we have been forgiven. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. We can be patient with others because the Lord is patient with us. We can overlook faults and irritations because love covers a multitude of sins. And we can forgive major hurts and pains because we know how many times we break the Lord's heart. We can put on 
the garment of patience. And we can keep it on most of the time. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are the garments of a Christian. But there's one more. And Paul speaks of it in verse 14. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Perhaps a better word than beyond is over. Over all these other garments, put on love. Love is the outer garment. When I realized I would be preaching this on the Sunday before Valentine's Day, I toyed with the idea of entitling this the undergarments of love. But I haven't completely lost my filter. Anyway, the picture here is that the garment that covers the rest and binds them together is love. Without love, agape love, the other garments won't stay in place. Without a covering of love, we're guaranteed a wardrobe malfunction. And actually, that garment of love is the presence of Christ in our life. When we lay aside the old self, Paul says the new self we put on is to be according to the image of the one who created us. To be a Christian is to be like Christ. We are to be like him. And to be like him, we must clothe ourselves in his likeness, a likeness that comes from his image stamped deep in our hearts.